Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am Marsha Van Weinsberg. I am a speaker, a coach, and a published author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will share tips, tools, and strategies used by our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in their lives. I am on a mission to educate, empower, and inspire you to see that when you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive right in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today we are speaking with Krista Kokot. Krista and I connected last year at the Uncommon Moon event in Toronto, and we just had this brief conversation, and I just knew you could see that she had a story, and she had a massive heart to go with it. So Krista is a life coach for women, helping them to stop the cycle of people-pleasing so that they can live the life that they truly desire. Krista believes that every woman needs someone to truly see her and help her to be heard. She believes that we all have a unique purpose on earth and provides gentle no-nonsense coaching to help each of her clients acknowledge and own their past, thrive in their present, and move forward knowing that the future is waiting for them to shine their unique light in this world. Honestly, this is an incredible episode. We We dove right into what our pain is our biggest motivator and how it is our responsibility to do the healing work so that our traumas don't dictate what we can or don't accomplish in our lives. So I'm super proud of Krista. Her story is unbelievable. And when she dives in and shares it, I honestly commend you and thank you, Krista, for being so real with us, because people will definitely take away so many, so many nuggets from this conversation. So I hope you all will enjoy. I know that you will. Thank you again. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today we are chatting with Krista Koka. And Krista and I connected last, I believe it was September, at an event in Toronto, the Uncommon Women Live Tour event. And I remember distinctly having a chat with her in the makeup room, the green room, if you want to call that, and how she was joining Marlo on this tour and going from location to location. I knew she had a story. We didn't dive into that story that day because that day was um, which is very, very raw day. And I remember talking very like closely to you right before we went into the stage. And I remember how kind and your soul was when you were connecting. So I'm so grateful to have you on the call today, Krista. Uh, I'm so honored to be here. I was so excited when you put out the call to be on your podcast. I'm like, I'm doing this. <laughs> you did. It's so funny that that's your memory. Cause I remember talking to you after you had spoken. Okay. And I remember, I don't remember anything <laughs> beforehand. I was so nervous. It was the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't even speaking and I was nervous for all of you guys, but I remember meeting you after and I came up to you and just said what an impact your story had had on me just because you've got two boys and I had two boys and I just felt, I just felt your heart as a mother. Yes. And I remember talking to you about your book and different stuff afterwards. So that was my first memory of you. But that's funny then because I remember as we just, we actually just hit play because we were chatting for, I don't know, half an hour and went, wait, I, gotta hit, I have to stop and hit play. So we hit record. But I, I know we were just discussing, right, after you finish a live event and after you finish, and when you're on stage like that, and I, I was very raw and real, that was probably... Um, one of the most vulnerable talks I've ever given. And I remember finishing and going like, 
oh boy, like just the wind comes out of the sails and you get a little bit foggy and you're tired. And my wonderful friend Heather drove me home that day, which thank God, because I'm not really sure that I could have driven home. I just, I remember being, feeling like I gave it everything that I had and not having much left to focus after that. And so. you could tell you poured your heart out up there and you were honest and you were vulnerable. And I think that's what endeared, especially me to you, because you mm -hmm. just shared and you didn't try and be somebody you weren't in that no, moment. No. And that's what was so beautiful. And I just remember thinking, all right, there's another speaker I want to be like. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I want to share that because that was just the start of my speaking. Oh, that was wow. Just, okay. I've done it in a few other times, but yeah. nothing to the degree of what I've done since then. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, okay, she's very vulnerable. That's what I need to be like when I'm up there. That's what I need to share because I was attracted to that. Well, that's, and that's, now that makes sense. Our, I mean, how we connect in our conversation completely made sense because you know, when you get into an event like that and there were, I don't know, four speakers, five speakers, like yeah. something along that line. And um, everybody has very different styles, right? Mm. Everybody has very different styles. Um, some humor, music, some, like everybody has different styles. And that's the beautiful thing is that finding what, you know, who you resonate with and what feels right to you. And um, I think that that's just, I think that's great. And I'm so, so glad that we connected. So glad. Yeah. Me too. Me so too. We have so many things to talk about today. <laughs> and which we just finished talking about before we hit record, but it's all good. It's all good. So I'm going to start with a few questions first so people can get to know who you are. Okay. Right on. Yes. Where are you from? I am currently in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Okay. On the west, everyone goes, oh, you're right on the west coast. I'm like, well, I'm about 12 hours from the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> not right on the west coast. No, you're like no. in the direction of, you're closer to west than I am. But Yes, exactly, here. exactly. Yeah. Have you always lived there? I've lived here for 25 years. Okay. Yeah. 25 years. And, okay, so are you a reader? Love reading. Awesome. Of course. Love, this is like love, love reading. Answer. What, what is one of the most impactful books that you have read? Uh, this, it, it, I've read so many that it impacted me, but I think for me, the biggest one was the very beginning of my journey of my life development, my self-development journey. And that was the four agreements. Mm -hmm. And it was a simple, it's a very simple read, but yes. it, to this day, I still have it as something that I recommend for people, especially when they're starting off. And I will go back to it. Oh. Right. And I know there's a new one now that his son wrote. I think it's the five agreements. I think it's the five agreements. There's a couple yeah. different ones, but I think it's the five agreements. Yes. Yeah. I think it's the five agreements, but that one, I don't know. There's just something about it that every time I read it, I'm like, Oh yeah. It's the same as, um, the same book as uh, you are a badass by Jen Sincero. Yes. That's another one that I go back. I'm like, duh, <laughs> duh. it's just so simple, <laughs> it but it's is. so, it resonates so deeply within me that it's, it just solidifies everything I know Absolutely. and everything that I just go. Yes. Yeah. So the four agreements for me would be my, the one that I continually talk about. It's my very first one I ever read that I don't even know if anyone gave it to me or if I was in the self self-help book at chapters. And I'm like, I need something. I, need, I just need something. And I remember seeing it was small. It's small. It didn't have a lot of writing. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can get through this one because, you know, I, prior to that, honestly, prior to that, it was every romance, mystery, love novel you could possibly imagine wow. I've read. Wow. So up until then, I was like, 
okay, this is small enough. I'll do, and now I haven't even touched a you know mystery novel since then because nothing else compares now, right? So no, and it's it's funny you say that because I have vivid memories of um, when I was starting my journey and trying to figure out what you know what I, I mean. People would say read, read, read. I was in such a foggy difficult space that reading a book was overwhelming that was one of my first books because it was oh, like really? thank god it's small like thank god it's small. <laughs> it's just i needed small to have to go through but the messages are so powerful so if you could share with people um as an aside what's like your number one takeaway from that book i would have to say the simplicity of how he talks about people pleasing, how he talks about don't take anything personal. So yes, if you're li when you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking of a book, this book is just so, it resonates with everyday life of how, what we all go through, whether you're just starting on your journey or you've been in it for 10 years, 15, 20 years, mm -hmm. it's all applicable to today, no matter yes. where you are. Yes. And he brings them in and I think the thing that I loved was he broke it into four things. It's like, make this agreement with yourself, this agreement with yourself, this agreement with yourself, and this agreement with yourself. Right. And they're just, okay, I can do four. I can do yeah. that. They're big. And they're just so powerful on how he explains it. They're a part of, uh, such a big part of our lives. Like, regardless of who you are, where you are in your life, the four agreements are basic things that are something that I guarantee are impacting every single person that listens to this. They're that basic, but they're that relevant. They're that relevant. Yeah. And I'll hear people say, I'm sure you hear that too. I have people say, like, I can't believe they did this. I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they reacted that way. And I'm like, you, you know, it has nothing to do with you, right? Like, it has nothing to do with you. It has absolutely nothing. You're making it about you, but it has nothing to do with you. Like it's very, and that's and, where I'll go with my talk today. Cause that's what really, really took me a long, yeah. long time. Yeah. Not gonna lie. One of my biggest lessons that is so simple, but took me years to figure out years completely. Right. So it's, boy, yeah. is it freeing. <laughs> oh, it's so freeing. And when you learn those things, it's different, right? Then if you're just reading something, when you learn those things, mm -hmm. then you embody it and you live that way. And when you live that way, it really changes how you take everything that happens around you. Everything, yeah. everything, everything. Yeah. So do you have a favorite quote? Yes. Marianne Williamson, our deepest fear. Oh, I have it everywhere. I would say it right now, but it's so long. It's up on my board right in front of me, right here yes. as we're talking. Yes. It is on my screensaver of my phone. It's on mm -hmm. my screensaver. My sons give it to me when at Mother's Day. They, I've gotten That's it awesome. as cards from people. I love it. That's awesome. Um, did you ever watch, because I'm such a sports movie geek, I am, mm -hmm. did you ever watch Coach, Coach Carter? Yes. Okay, oh, so yeah. Coach Carter, they do that quote in I know. one student, and I love that. I, I just sit there and I listen to him over and over again. I just love that. Anyways, I love it. It's a great quote. It's a great oh, Yeah, and I did, really, like, for the longest time, I was like, okay, what does she mean by that? Or what does she mean by mm -hmm. that? And I just thought the part where it says, and as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. I just thought that resonated with me so deeply. Yes. And now it's even more because mm -hmm. as we act uh, uh, genuinely who we are yes other people see it and they're like well she can do it I can do it because I do the oh, same thing it's exactly the same thing and I just did my podcast last week was that my solo one was on that the light at the end of the tunnel isn't for you like it's actually f not for you. It's not to shine on you. It's actually to shine through you so that the people behind you can go, 
oh, that's how she did it. Like, it's not a secret. Oh, I love that. Reaching back and helping the people behind us. That's the purpose of our story. It's not a secret and it's not a competition. No, it's not a competition. It's not a competition. And so those two things are um, like, they're honestly, they're segregating us even more. Um, and they're, they're making us like, we're feeding shame. This is the whole podcast, but it just, any kind of secrecy and competition, it forces us to play small and not show up as ourselves. And I, I couldn't agree more. So yeah. Awesome. Um, could you share a mentor who has impacted your life? And it could be somebody, you know, somebody you don't know. It doesn't have to be. Hmm. the froze there okay we're back we're back yeah i know hi guys sorry about that i don't know what happened here um the first person that popped into my head was my husband oh yeah that was i had about five that ran through there but he has been a absolute rock through 25 years of being married and Mm -hmm. just the way he lives his life he has been the most authentic genuine person i've ever met and all his friends will say he is who he was at 17 as he is at 46 he is the same person in the bar as he is at church. He's a youth pastor and he's just the same person. Oh, every single person you meet will tell you Carmen is who he is. Yeah. And that's that's, for me has been a huge, um, just a role model mentor, just he lives who he is. Believe me, we have our issues (laughs) as marriages do, Yeah, but that is something that I always, always look to him. And I just think, okay, Carmen is like that. That's how I I love That's it. beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, what is something that lifts you up? Last question. What is something that lifts you up or which drives you? Like just really drives lifts you. me up. I would have to say nature, being mm-hmm. alone in nature and listening to, for me, it's God listening to my own voice mm-hmm. and God and knowing which direction. And I just feel such a huge peace and I feel very elevated when I'm actually able to connect on that level. That's beautiful. That yeah. is beautiful. And my boys bring me joy. <laughs> How that old is, are your boys? 19 and 21. 19 21. Yeah. Nice. We're in very similar age brackets there. Yeah. Yeah. Different ages, right? It's a different... It's a different thing. I was listening to somebody talk about their 14 year old today and how it was driving me crazy. And I'm like, Oh my God, I do not want to go back to that age. Like that is just not it's so funny. I know I was talking to somebody yeah. else was talking about their, their terrible twos and stuff. And I'm like, oh. yeah, that's such a different story. I still remember that. <laughs> I still remember it too. No, thank you. No, yeah, thank I know. You. I know. So you just, as you just, you just said before you started your speaking right? Mm-hmm. You're speaking um, career not that long ago, but you had just come off of the heels of an event, a live event that you had on Saturday. And I have done a number of live events. So first off, the fact that you're upright and you're sharing, I'm proud of you for because like it's, it's a very giving, it's a very giving experience. So I know that it's beautiful, but it takes, I was, I sent you that message on the weekend. I think we were chatting and I said, it's equally like for the amount of energy you put into something, you equally have to fill back up the same. You can't, you can't give and give and give for eight hours and then take a one hour nap and say, we're good to go. That's not how it can be time, energy, whichever works for you. Or you might be somebody like me who sometimes needs double the time to fill back up, but it's learning that. So tell us a little bit about your event and what you just finished and what it's called and, and we'll go from there. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yes. And that was a very, uh, I loved getting that message from you because I thought, yes, 
It's very easy, old ways of hustle, 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 and go, go, go. And that's very entrepreneur like me years ago. Right. Uh, It was called the Awakened Woman event, Mm -hmm. and it was women coming together. My my deepest desire is for women to have these moments of aha, light bulb moments, awakening moments, whatever that is for you. Um, It's one of my favorite things when one-on-one with my clients with life coaching and when they have these moments of going oh that's what you mean when you say oh that's what you mean we all have had those moments right and bringing women together to share their stories maybe the fears that are holding them back the stories they tell themselves um, just coming together has always been a deep rooted passion of mine. Um, mm-hmm. I never had that. Okay. And so when I started to surround myself with women that understood me and accepted me and I belonged and I didn't have to fit in, but I just belonged. Mm-hmm. It was a game changer for me. I started to open up. I started to share my insecurities and I started to be, and I thought, I want to create this for women. Mm-hmm. I don't know what this looks like, but I want to create events like this. So yes, like you said, last year, um, I was part of this tour called the Uncommon Woman Tour. And it was um, speaking from the stage and sharing my story. Right. And part of the reason why I went, it was across Canada. And part of the reason I went to each one was so that I could get comfortable um, and see what it was like. I wanted to be immersed within all the women that got together and shared their stories. And I wanted to see like, is there cattiness? Is there gossip? Is it, you know, or what is this? And it was completely the opposite. Right. And there was nothing of that. It was people bearing their women, bearing their souls and other women going, I got you. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, this isn't my normal. So, but I want to be part of this and I want to create this because this is where I feel I'm coming alive. So I did a, I did one event last year. I hosted it my, uh, myself up in the mountains for a full day. And then I started to do evening events, women's evening events. And I called them connections events. Oh, nice. And it was just for women to come together. It was two hours mm-hmm. and it was women to come together and just connect on deeper levels. I would share my story. And then I would always have one or two people be able to share their stories of their life. Right. Their past. If they had trauma, whatever it was, I just had, I asked if they would share because when we share our life with others, it then gives them people other permission to go, or I feel the same. They're able to connect with you. Yes. Yes. So this awakened woman event, um, I changed the name to the awakened woman event, um, from the sisterhood connections event, because I love, I love awakenings and I wanted women to have that. That's my desire to have awakened moments that lead you to take one small step in the direction you want to go. Even if it's 1%, whatever that is. It's not massive. It's just a small step in the direction you want to go. So that was Saturday. And you said, you're right. Eight hours all day you're on, but I almost feel like it was for me, it was three months leading up to it. It Right. It's in the back of your head the whole time you're marketing and you're going, this is what it is. And you want everyone and their dog there because you know how it's good, how awesome it's going to be, right? How good it's going to be. And so it's trying to portray that feeling out there, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's very, very hard to do until you've actually been. And so I've been to numerous women's events. I know the power in them. Oh, huge power. Huge right? power. And you have as well. And some of your listeners might, and they're like, yeah, I totally get it. I totally get it. Or I would have been there. And uh, so, yes, the day came and went. And I was sharing with you before. It was one of the most peaceful days I've ever hosted, facilitated, been part of. And it was beautiful. I was exhausted. And, mm-hmm. um, Yesterday, I took the day and just really 
journaled and, you know, thought about all the gratitude. And I, today I'm still living in that. I think I'm still in a little bit of high coming mm -hmm. down a little bit here and there. So yeah, it's, it was beautiful. And it just solidified for me that this is exactly the direction I I'm going. I I'm walking in my purpose right here. And I think that is beautiful. I was just, I was just about to say, it's because you are living and walking in your purpose. And that's why you felt such a level of peace because there was like, that's, that's like complete utter alignment, right? You're in complete alignment with, it's like universe is saying, this is what I want you to work on. This is what you're doing. And you're like, okay, here I am. Like, this is what I am. And I love how you didn't say it here. You said it before we chatted is the fact that when you're running an event like this, you know, you see, we've gone to all different kinds of events and you can look at it sometimes and go, well, this one had 200 and this one had that, like you can easily fall into, you have to get to a space where it's like the right people will be there. The right people will be there. If that's 15, if that's 50, I will figure that out as it goes and letting go of all of that control. So if you're listening to this and you think, okay, well, that's like so much work and all those things. I'm telling you it was more surrender than it is, than it is killing yourself. I mean, there's work. There's no question there's work, but you have to be in that space of faith and trust that this is, it will be what it is exactly supposed to be. And I will have to agree with you 110%. There was, it was actually, and I know the exact moment it happened for me, it was two weeks before my event mm -hmm. and I was out walking and I had my dog and I was out walking and I remember out loud saying, I surrender this mm -hmm. event mm -hmm. to something more powerful and bigger than myself. Nice. The women that are supposed to walk into there and that will be sitting in those seats are the ones that are supposed to be there. That's right. it. And right. I remember that moment because Every day after that, I just kept saying it. And I'm like, I, it, this peace came over me of not ramming this, you know, square peg down a round hole, right. which I know when you're listening to this, you're like, oh yeah, that's where I am. Yeah, I've <laughs> and been it's, there. And it's, been there. I know. And I, and there's something really freeing and empowering. And, and the only word that keeps coming to my mind is just this peace that overcame me. Mm -hmm. And then the night before the event, so the Friday night I woke, I went to sleep and I slept great, but I had a dream that I, I just posted about this on Facebook this morning. I had a dream that nobody was there. I was speaking to empty chairs. Yes. I've had that dream. <laughs> yes, I But have. you know what happened? Marcia was, it was, it was, I showed up as me. Mm. I showed up as me and I didn't care for whatever yeah. reason, those empty chairs were beautiful to me. It was the most, I woke up, I'm like, all right, well, let's hope that doesn't happen. But anyways, but I felt peaceful. I felt I showed up and women did show up, but it was the most, I just, everything in me just went, you showed up as yourself and that's all that you can do. And that's exactly what you can do. And it's funny, the message that came through to my head when you said that mm. was that you also were not attached to how people take that day right like you know you can give you sat in the and you sat in the car when i spoke i guarantee you someone else had a different opinion so mm. you can't you can speak from the heart you can't control how a person takes it because they are on their own journey and so being able to speak to a space of not being attached or expectations that everyone is going to get it because they're not is i think that's how i took that dream is the fact that you were ready to share and speak and not attached to how it went it's all going to go the way it was supposed to love it i love mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. love just that. a different way of looking at it right so you've um been on this journey i would say how long would you say over the last how many years roughly for this personal development journey that you've been on this i journey? i started about seven and a half years ago okay 
Almost seven eight. and a half years ago. Yeah. I just really want to draw attention to that to anybody who is listening because <laughs> it's the case. Don't look at it at the seven and go, oh my gosh, it takes seven years to do this. Or don't look at it and go, how did it happen so fast? It's There is no timing, but I do want to show you that like, in order to overcome what your story is and get to a different space and then be able to stand up, speak, share, and impact other people, it is a growth journey that um, is just, it's, there's, I can't paint a picture for you other than the craziest upside down roller coaster that you're going to be on. It's going to have its highs and lows. It's going to have its moments where you want to wall kick and walk away. And you just have to stay the course. So thank you for saying that seven and a half years because I just want people to put in perspective of how much work it is, right, to get to this space. That's awesome. the biggest. The biggest piece of advice that I can give people listening is the support system I have found mm-hmm. during this growing period. If I had been on my own trying to do this, I probably would have thrown in the towel. Yeah. I probably been like, forget it. This is too hard. I don't want to go visit this. I don't want to think about when I was sick, whatever. But yeah. Because you surround yourself with people, and I have right. surrounded myself, and you know this too, is it is a huge huge difference on who you support yourself with because they're going you got this you can do this you're right it sucks you're right right, this is hard yeah man is it rewarding man is it rewarding and freeing and and just so um like the the word that just keeps coming to my mind is empowering to just walk Mm -hmm. into your own power and your Mm -hmm. own strength and just know that this is who you are and And embrace your quirks and your quirkiness and your gifts and your awesomeness right all of it You've been there all along. I love this. Like you've, like you've actually been there all along, but you just weren't ready to see it or weren't ready to step in and be that person. So I, I mean, I love that you shared that. So we know it's been a seven and a half year journey. I know your journey started much earlier than that. Um, But if you could share with everyone, I think it's really important. um, And however you dive into that, what that story was like beforehand. Sorry for the noise. This is, of course, the day they're cutting all the trees down outside. So like, I can't even hear it. So okay, I don't know if they'll be able to. It's really loud here. The, I don't know if listeners can, but I can't hear it. So <laughs> go ahead. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Well, my story started long before seven years ago. That's what everybody's does, right? right? Everybody starts somewhere. It's just a matter if we want to look at it or acknowledge it or, mm-hmm. and for me, it started because I started to be really, I owned a fitness business. Um, for six years, I owned a boot camp. Okay. and I loved it. And I would have women and men come in and they would do burpees and pushups and, um, and lose all this weight. And, and then but what would happen was they, I still, I loved my community that we had built and it was called It's Fitness and I loved it. But I found that they were still unhappy inside. Mm. And so no amount of burpees, no amount of push-ups, no amount of planking, no amount of nutrition was helping them feel, fill this void that was inside. Right. And I started to see myself in them. I started to see they were being a mirror for me. Yep. A mirror for you me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was on point all the time. It was five 30 in the morning, um, six 30 in the morning, nine 30 in the morning, then five and six at night. I was like, boom, I was just high energy. Right. And I started to really, really take a look at what was going on. And it was a lot of my past that I had to come to terms with. And, um, I started down the road of, really self-development then. So that was, like I said, six, seven years, um, seven, eight years ago. And I had done counseling prior to that, uh, like, you know, kind of looking at my, my past at 
six years old is when everything kind of shifted for me. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn to suppress quickly and not talk about it. And um, I'll just share a little bit if that's. Yeah, no, no, no. I was actually going to ask you if you can share what happened at six. And I think your, your journey, it almost, correct me if I'm wrong, but your journey is almost the entire thing was about be quiet, like Mm -hmm. suppress, 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 be quiet. Don't share, don't share, don't share. So that's a, like, that's a big thing to overcome. And I think it will make more sense as you go into. Yeah. And I just know that people resonate at their own level, right? Obviously they're not going to have my story, but so many people, when I do share it, they're like, Oh, I was told to not say anything either. Right. And then what happens is we end up not speaking up for ourselves and not yes. sharing, right? So yes. when I was six, I was, um, my sister, my mom and dad were separated at the time and I was in Ontario and we were living with my mom. My sister and I were living with my mom in Ontario and she had left for the day um, to go do something and left us with a babysitter. And we were swimming outside in a pool and we still loved my dad. We just never saw him as much because we were living with her. And I right. knew, I mean, at six, it's hard to put into words. The f- I knew there was something, I'm writing my memoir. So the writing has really been cathartic for me to write all this down. Yes. Um, you know, it was like, I had these feelings, something was up, but I couldn't say what was up. And so at this at one afternoon in 1979 in August, I remember hearing the gate open on the side of the, um, mm-hmm. the side of the pool. And I looked over and it was my dad coming through and he had cowboy boots on and he had his Wrangler jeans. And I remember exactly what he looked Amazing, like. Amazing. Which the detail you remember. Yeah. 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 And I ran out of the pool and I'm like, daddy. And I ran over to him and jumped into his arms and my sister was close behind me. And he told the babysitter, he's like, uh, their mom said I could take them for ice cream. And she said, okay. Mm-hmm. And so he left and we put, he threw us in the back of the car. And as I even say this, I can feel the anxiousness inside of me that was coming. I knew there was something going something on. Something was I, different. This wasn't just ice cream. Like something was, this different. wasn't just right. ice cream. And he said, uh, okay, girls, you ready for an adventure? And we're like, of course, like, yes, dad, you know, like, yes, daddy. Mm-hmm. And so he drove away and he drove away from the pool, drove away from the babysitter. And he took us, he kidnapped us from my mom and we didn't see her for 23 years. I just, I just, I want to pause you for a second on that because I mean, think of, so you just said your kids are how old? 19 and 21. Okay. So your mom didn't see you for 23 years. Like just put it like it's, I just wanted to give that context because that's, crazy like that is just I can't I immediately go to like your mom and what that must have felt like and then you as well I mean not at what point did you know that wait something is not right like I know you think you're going for ice cream you think you're going in what point I think I could remember I'm, I've always been an empath. Like I've always felt deeply, but I've never yeah. been able to, I've never known that. Uh, mm-hmm. I've never been able to put that into words until the last course I started down this cell development where it was like, oh yeah, I'm an empath for sure. Mm-hmm. I can remember, um, we went on the run. He took us, we went across the state line. He went down into the States and we went camping. We would, we would stay after okay. we found her 23 years later. Um, we had found out that she hired FBI agents, private investigators to try and find us because yeah. she knew he had taken us. Um, but she didn't know where he had taken us. So right. she was on, she was trying to find us and he just always stayed one step ahead of her cause he never wanted her to have us. I still, to this day, absolutely love my dad. Do I love yeah. what he did? No, he was my father. He was my dad. I loved my dad. He was taking yeah. drastic measures. He played God. He was, they were mad at each other. They did something 
as a married person now, I'm like, yeah, I know. I can see that you do terrible things. This was above and beyond. Right. Um, I remember I was six at the time and I can remember laying in our tent because we had tents and sleeping bags. And that was, this is why also I feel so connected to nature. It's my very safe. It's my Mm. very safe place that I feel. Yeah. Yeah. This all comes back to there. Um, We camped all growing up. We camped through this whole thing. We'd go into campgrounds, state campgrounds all in the States. And I remember laying in the tent and asking him where mom was mm-hmm. and she left us, sweetie. She left us. And that was the constant thing that he said. And then he would say, don't talk about this anymore. Don't talk about it. Don't ask any more yeah. questions. Yeah. And I quickly learned to not talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I also quickly learned there was things that I was allowed to say to other people. And there was things I wasn't allowed to say to other people. Right. And, um, my mom left us was one of the big things that I was allowed to say. Was you were allowed left. to say that. You yeah. were allowed to say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then not, not of well, that fed the story, right? That fed the story of what? Yeah. No, I understand. Yeah. And then, so there came a point where they did contact each other, where he called her. Um, I don't know when the timing is for yeah. that, but she had said, um, you know what, Wayne, my dad's name was Wayne. Just stop running. Give the girls a life. Just give the girls a stable life, stop running and I'll stop chasing. I don't need to know anything else. Just, and I had to come to terms with that too. When I found that out was just going, how could a mother ever give up? And you know, all of this stuff played through my mind Yeah. as a mom now of boys, like you touched on, of course, this has all come through to me, you know, oh, as a mother. Right. And I'm like, I would never have given up, you know, like all this stuff. Now, do you, can you see almost as, I don't know your mom, I don't, I'm just, I have to ask this. Like, can you see that almost as like, you want to talk about an ultimate surrender to keep her kids safe? What if oh, it flips, my gosh. Right? Yes. What an unbelievable, yes. now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no now, right? These are the things, right? We, I mean, most of us will have these lessons of things that happened when we were kids and they don't connect until we're adults and we're like, oh, I get that now. Like that makes sense now. Or the story I told myself then really wasn't right. Like it wasn't right. This is now. No, and I made up and I wasn't allowed to, I wasn't allowed to talk about anything. Like everything that I wanted to say was suppressed. Everything I wanted to cry. If I was crying, it was like, shh, to stop, just stop, just stop. So I wasn't allowed to cry. And I was very emotional child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very emotional, but it was always like, yeah. Of course. Um, so when I was 11, he had settled down in Colorado. He did, he did door to door sales and he had, a, you know, I think he worked in the States illegally as far as I knew, like who knows, yeah. he was just door to door selling pens and making a little extra money here and there. When I was 11, he got remarried to a lady he met at a church that we were attending yeah. and she became my stepmom, and she brought in two daughters And in that moment, again, he said, this is your mom. These are your sisters. There's no talking about anything else. This is your family. Wow. And I'm okay. Okay. And I knew it wasn't, but I was craving a mother. Mm -hmm. I was craving that nurturing. Um, Still loved him, but he was very, very controlling, very fearful, which I now know is fear. Um, Mm -hmm. Very fear-based, very uh, religious. I say it was a very religious house. There was no drinking, swearing, very God, like the Bible, very fearful. God was a fearing God. Um, You feared everything that would ever happen. Yeah. Um, So got remarried. We lived in Colorado for a year. And then when I was 12, we moved up back up to Canada. Oh, wow. And we settled in Canmore. Alberta. Mm-hmm. So we made the trip all the way up as a family and he moved us back up into Canada. And so we settled in Canada near Banff, Alberta, and it was beautiful. 
and our, our life was good. I can rem- like, and fun. Like it was five girls in the family. It was nothing. Mm-hmm. They had their own. So there was her two, us two, and then they had their own. So there was okay. his, hers and theirs. Okay. And, um, right. Yeah. No, <laughs> and I then, see, yeah. uh, and then I remember like, but I can remember every night I would fall asleep and I would talk to my sister, the one, the other one, like mm-hmm. my blood sister. And I would say, Kim, I wonder where mom is. I wonder where mom, I wonder what she's doing. Like every night I would fall asleep. Every night we'd draw on each other's back and I would write mom mm-hmm. and I would write um, love and I would write, and then I would erase it off. And then I would write again and I'd have her try and guess because she was younger. So she didn't have near as many memories and still doesn't as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's got different memories. Right. And I remember just, she was my safe place to talk about mom all the time. All she the probably time. Your only place, just wasn't right? allowed. Right. She was. Yeah. yeah. Your only place. Yeah. My only place. Yeah. And then every now and then my dad would take me out or take my sister out or take one of the other girls out. And I would test the waters to see how he was. I would, I would say something along the lines of, um, dad, do you know where mom is? Like out of the blue. And yeah. he'd say, do you mean Donna? And I knew right then I wasn't allowed to call her my mom because then I would shut right up and not say anything. So I learned very quickly eggshell, eggshell walking. I knew, I knew the dance. I knew the dance very, very well. And it just kept going on into my older years, you know, and in school, I learned very well what to say, what not to say. I didn't ask any questions because I was embarrassed. I was afraid I was going to get in trouble. Um, I didn't, I morphed very quickly into what everybody else wanted me to be. Um, Well, you would master, master, master people pleasing skills. Like this is like you have to like you to the highest level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I very, and I call myself, I, I was very, and I talked about this on another podcast with Sarah, but it was, I was very codependent on my dad. Like I needed to ask for everything, how to do everything. You know, like, was this skirt long enough? Was my makeup too much? I wasn't allowed to wear makeup, first of all. Like, everything was very, very um, controlled. (laughs) That's the only word I can say is very controlled. I think that, I mean, I think we could do a whole, I listened to your podcast with Sarah, and I think that we could do a whole podcast on just codependency. And a lot of people really don't understand what codependency is. And I was like 100% codependent for a long time in dealing with what we were going with, with our kids, because if I would decide if I was happy, depending on what was going down first, I would decide if I was going to, like, we had plans for the weekend, but then let's just wait and see what bomb blows up first. And then we'll decide if we're going to or not. Like there was no living our life anymore. Our life was dependent on what everyone else was doing and what trouble was coming up. So it wasn't until I read, I remember reading um, Melody Beattie's book on codependency and I didn't, even, I didn't read the whole thing, but I remember reading the beginning of it and thinking, I'm not, there's no way I'm codependent. It's just impossible. Right. Trying to figure this life out. And I remember reading it going like, Oh my gosh, I am completely codependent on what's happening here. And so if you're dealing with codependency, you also now are completely like shutting your voice down, your voice down. You're, you're not, you're not listening to what you want. You're not listening to an intuition, right? You're not, you're completely shutting all of that down. So that just, I'm just adding that as a context that is an extra layer in your life that that even on top of that just would shut your voice down and make you even more. And I didn't even know when I'm going to jump ahead for just a second here, but I remember when I started down this journey of self-development and I would, I remember the very first place, uh, I don't even remember. It was in Vancouver and it was a big self-development event. I went to, this is me. I jump in the deep end because that's what I've learned to do since I was young. And 
I just remember them sitting there and they're like, just listen to your own voice. And I'm like, what, what voice what does that even mean? I'm talking all the time. I hear it all the time. That's what I talked about this weekend in the, at the event at the yeah. wake and what was I go, I remember that being said to me. And I'm like, you make no sense to me. I'm hearing my voice. I talk like yeah. I, I did not know what that meant. Yeah. I, I didn't even know what people pleasing actually meant. No. I didn't know what these um, meant, Marsha. Like they were so me and it was so ingrained and it was a cellular level. It was inside here. It's, I was going to say it became part of you. It's not that you were like, it just became, and I'm going to even say, correct me if I'm wrong, almost survival. Like that's how you had to survive was, was you had to I always say, I always say it was survival. That. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that surviving is different. This is like, this is your story is different. I mean, it's very deep and it is. So I think you had to take and embody some of those things in order to survive. You had completely, to. Completely. And then when he got, um, we moved up to Colorado or sorry, we moved up to Canmore. Then I went to school there and I just remember I wanted to get out from underneath yeah. the house, like the yeah. rules I wanted. I want, it was a little bit of both, right? I was, I was 17 when I graduated and I wanted to get out from underneath the rule. I think there was a little bit of that in, um, independence and yeah. I needed to get out from the controlling. I was right. losing my mind because I was very, I knew at a very young age, I was entrepreneur, even though that was not in what was said. No. It was, just, I couldn't have walls. I didn't do the nine to five. I couldn't have any rules and I just was, I wanted to break them all the time. And I did, I got mm -hmm. into the wrong crowds and I joined the wrong groups, you know, yeah. quote, what's wrong. Yep. And I did everything that I wasn't supposed to do because I needed to see for myself why right. I wasn't allowed right. to drink, why I wasn't allowed to smoke. Why, like, why are you saying no to everything? I got to try it all. Yeah. So at 17, I booked a ticket to Australia and I went to Bible school there because I was allowed to go to Bible school. Wow. He said yes to that because I remember thinking if I say Bible school, he'll be okay with that because I'm going to go learn about God. <laughs> you know, and in my head, I'm like, I'm just getting out of here. Like whatever that took. So, so that, must have been, that must have been a real whirlwind in the fact of at 17, like if you've lived very small, codependent, safe. <laughs> I'm going to go to the other side of the world and yep. be on my own at 17. It wasn't like just moving up. I had to get away. Like I had to get oh, so yeah, far away, Marsha. Right. Like I had to just, yeah. I had to get so far away that there was no phone call. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. There was, right? there was no happen to drive by. Wow. So did there you do that? You went to Australia and then how long were you there for? Six months. Wow. So I went to school for three and I traveled for three. Wow. That's, yeah. and that's I, amazing. and I, to this day, I'm actually very surprised. Like my sister and I will talk about it, that we're surprised he even let us do that because of oh, how, yeah. right. Like it's yeah. still sense it, to us. We're like, Hey, that didn't make any sense. Cause he was so, when we were under the roof, it was like, we we're in the room locked in a bubble. Yeah. But when we were, we said we're going to buy, he's like, okay, bye. But I do remember making phone calls every Sunday. I had to phone home because this yeah. is before the days of social yeah, there media. Was no, there was no yeah, Facebook bye. message. No. <laughs> yeah. And I remember every Sunday phoning and he would be like, Hey, where are you going now? Who are you with? Da, da, da. And I remember thinking, I can tell you anything. You're not going to, you don't you ever, know. Really know. Right. Right. This is awesome. I can tell you anything and you're never going to know. Right. And so then I came back and so now I was 18 and I worked up in Banff, Alberta as a server. I started mm -hmm. working there, lived back home. And then at 19, I met 
a guy named Carmen and he was a Christian and he played football and he had the same kind of belief system and he was a great guy and he was best friends with my sister's boyfriend and he just fit right into the family and we got married a year later. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Now is that it is just by the grace of God that we have even made it this far because Mm -hmm. 25 years of being married at 21 I mean, I look, I didn't even know who I was. I had no idea who I was. I just wanted out from underneath that roof. I wanted mm-hmm. out from underneath my dad's rules, loved him to death, walked me down the aisle. It was great, but I just knew that I needed out. I needed mm-hmm. out. And if marriage was that, and I love, and I remember sitting on the couch going, I see myself with this guy till I'm 80. I do see that that's as so weird awesome. as this sounds to be able to see that. But now I go, yeah. oh, this is more than this was bigger than me. Well, you know? you're talking like we, I mean, we just celebrated, we're going to be 26 years this year. We started dating. Yes. We were 16 when we started dating. I know it's like, what? Who did this? Yeah. But we also, there was, there was always room to, for each of us to grow and always room for each of us to be our own person and space and encouragement. And I mean, has it always been easy? God, no, like, no, it's not. But there's been that mutual respect and space. And that is, I mean, very important. But I'm, like you, I look at for what we've gone through with our life. I think God just basically went, okay, here you go. This is what you're going to have because you're going to need him. Because, yeah. Because I got exactly. He's coming your way. That you need to be able to. That you don't even know. Well, and that's, you know, and that's, yeah. somebody asked me the other day about, you know, about us. And I said, honestly, the one thing I can say is that from day one, he had said, if we need to go to counseling, we're going like that was day one. And not a lot of men will say that. And so I knew I'm like, okay, this is, you know, we'd had not the best track record with both of our sides of our parents being married and divorced. And we just thought, nope, we don't want to do this. We don't know what this looks like. Right. And, but I knew in that moment, I'm like, we're both going to be rowing at the same time. And that was what we both row. And it's not one of us pulls out. We just, it doesn't always look the same. And we both have grown in different directions, but at the same, we still come back and just know that we want to make this work. Wow. Um, So that has been, for me, has been a, a, like I told you, like he was, he's been my rock through everything that we've gone through. Mm -hmm. And so then when I had my boys at 26, I hit a deep depression and I started seeing my very first counselor and she said, has anything traumatic happened to you? Like in your past? And I remember saying, no, really? I know. But I said, no, I said, no, not because that's how, yes, Marcia, because I had, this was my life. This was my normal. This is what you knew. And I wasn't allowed to say anything. Mm Mm-hmm. How long did it take you to speak to that counselor to say, hmm? I actually wrote a letter. Yeah. She goes, I want you to go home and write. And I'd always written. So I've written since I was young. Wow. um, Like I've always written in my dear diary. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was the way I processed things. Nobody ever read them. Maybe, I don't know, that I know of. And, um, but I remember her, she said, I want you to go home and I want you to write a letter to me about your life. And I said, okay. So I went home and that was no problem. And I came back and I read it to her out loud, six pages. And I didn't bat an eye. I just read it to her. I looked up and she's weeping. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) She goes, you say you don't have any, anything that's happened to you. She's like, oh, my sweetheart, you've got abandonment issues. Very, very, you've got abandonment. And I'm like, from who? I, this is how my mind was working. Yeah. Like, I'm not laughing at you. I just feel, I know I really yeah. do feel for you. Cause I, I, I know how dark I was and how far yeah. I, like, and just gone. I just, I was so, I was so 
But you don't know what you don't know. I think this is really important. Like you don't know if anybody's listening, they're like, what? Yes, I, know. I mean, you can How see my face right know? now, right? Like my family, like what? But you don't know what you don't know. Like you don't, if this is normal, and I'm going to even just like paint a little bit bigger picture there. In fact, like if you grow up in a very abusive alcoholic family, you think that's what family is. If you grow up in a very like um, narcissistic type environment where there's no room for growth, there's, that's what you think it is. And so this is exactly what you thought it, your life was. You thought that's, well, I don't know, maybe that's what everybody has. It's not anything, right? It's nope. your, your counselor slash therapist. That's very impressive way to handle that situation to help you to kind of open up that story. And, um, well, this was 20 years ago. So mm -hmm. I started down the path 20 years ago of actually yeah. doing this. And to this yeah. day, this is how I will help some of my clients because yeah. it impacted me so deeply. Yes. That it, writing it in just the way that writing come, you come out, it's different than saying it because when you say it, it's real. Yes. And maybe you can't even say it because you don't know what's going on. Like you just, I feel like a child. I felt like a child not being able to sh talk. I'm like, I don't know. I can't explain what I'm feeling or doing or just, as, I don't know. She's like, let's go write. Let's just write this out. Yeah. Let's draw. Let's well, draw. You're, you realize too, right? That's a form of unpacking and you can't, like you have to unpack the stories before you mm -hmm. can build the stories. And I think that that's really, I think it's really important. It's one of the first things I do with clients that I work with is we start with their story. And mm -hmm. I mean, I mean their whole story, everything they can remember. I don't care if you were three or five or 10 or whatever. Yep. Start from there because when we really look at our stories in reverse, we can see patterns that we're like, Oh my gosh, I've done this like a dozen times over and, but just different scenarios, but you've mm -hmm. done the same thing because that was your coping mechanism. That was your way. But I also even one step further, I believe that when we, when we do that and look at it, the journey that we've lived, it is meant to help someone else and do something with it. So we have to recognize what happened on that journey and look at it, not judge it, not be critical of it. Just look at it and say, wow, like I've actually been being coached to do this. Like this is part of what I've, mm -hmm. part of what I've done to get to here. So you kind of, I think that's really what she did is help you to unpack all of that. Yep. You can't rebuild it until you unpack it. You just no. can't put good stuff on ice. You can't put good no. stuff on like no offense you, can. you know and we talked and I talked about this it's like it, it will come out eventually you can try as much as you want you can yeah. it will come yeah. out physically in illness oh. it will come out as anger and bitterness and it'll come out as something else believe me yeah. it will it always comes out unless mm -hmm. exactly like you said you unpack it you deal with yeah. it um so I, wow. I stayed with her for about a year yeah we went down that road I really became aware of how I was with even my husband and how I was pushing him away all the time, but that was because I was ready for him to leave. Yeah. Well, you were mentally, that's, a, that's abandoned. Like you expect Huge. Because you're expecting Huge. it. Yeah. And in the last two years, I will say, everybody listening out here, I've been doing this for 10, 20 years now. Mm -hmm. The last two years, I came to the realization I was doing the same thing to my boys. Yeah. I was ready for them to leave. Mm -hmm. I was at any moment they were going to be gone like this because that's what happened to me. Yeah. I was gone like this. Yeah. And so I wasn't allowing myself to embrace the family that I have. Wow. I was constantly living in this. Well, they walk out the door. They're never coming back. Well, if they're sick, they're dying. Well, if they, like this was in my head. Wow. wow. And so it took even more work 
Yeah. Because as we unpack, as you know, the more we unpack, the more that's there. We're like, oh my God, this layer is just this, it just keeps peeling. Oh, it does. It does. And I, I mean, I commend you because that's a tremendous amount of unpacking. And I would love to ask you the role of forgiveness and what it's played in your life. And I think this is really important. We talk about forgiveness all the time, but I just want to hear your take on it because this is one heck of a story where I know just from knowing you, but also knowing that I think how important the role of forgiveness is played. I'll tell you, I know exactly where it happened for me. And it was, um, we found my mom, my sister and I hired a private investigator. Can I ask you? Yeah. yeah. So this is how it, this is how the forgiveness part came about for me. Um, so when we hired a private investigator, my, it was right oh. soon after I started my therapy, right soon after I started my counseling. Okay. So how old you would have been? You were I married. was 30. Yeah, I was 30. 30. Okay. So you yeah. hadn't seen her. No. Nope. So in 24 years you hadn't seen nothing. her. Yeah. Okay. No, nothing. And so I, my sister and I are both like, and my counselor had said, you know what? you might want to try and find mm -hmm. her. Like there's a piece of the puzzle that's missing here. And I'm like, right. well, I can't tell my dad cause he ain't going to be happy about this. Even at 30. Yeah. At right. 30 years old. Yeah. So I knew that this was something we were going to have to do and just not tell him. I'm like, yeah. we're just going to have to do it. And I'm ready to let the chips fall where they may. If he is not okay with it, I'm okay with that because yeah. I, you know, I said that in my head, like whether or not that would have happened, but so we hired a private investigator, went through the yellow pages <laughs> and we literally went, yep, she looks good and walked into her, you know, um, she had this little basement thing in Calgary here and we walked in there and she's like, okay, girls, what can I do for you? And we're like, well, birth mom. And we gave her as much information as we knew. Yeah. Um, and this was a Thursday night at five o'clock. We met with her. We got a call on the following, like the next day on Friday at seven. She said, I found your mom. She's down in Houston, Texas. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, so like 24 hours, just over 24 hours. Wow. Yeah. She's down in Houston, Texas. And we hopped on the phone with her and she then flew up on the Sunday to Calgary Aww. and we met her then. Mm -hmm. And, um, she, we sat across, I'll never forget. We sat across, she came to my sister's house mm -hmm. and, um, we met her for the next year. We flew down there, got to know her life down there. She'd been remarried, um, had a little family going on down there. She'd fly back up here and get to know Kim and I a little bit more. Mm -hmm. She ended up meeting my dad again after all these years. And my mom had said that instant forgiveness came over her because she saw me and Kim and how oh, well wow. our lives had turned out. And so in her head, she goes, how could I not forgive him? Because I saw how beautiful you two are and how your lives have turned out with your families. And I remember thinking in that moment, if she can forgive him, I can right. forgive him. I, I was, I, what, what right do I, what right do I have and every right in the world I had Yeah. to hang on to that unforgiveness and that bitterness and that anger. And there are today, there's moments I still get up and I have to go, I forgive you. I forgive you, dad. Like there's still, but I know that deep in my heart, I have a huge piece that everything I, and that's the only way, Marsha, in the last year that I've been able to share my story from my heart because there's so much forgiveness. I put myself in her shoes. I put myself in his shoes. I have grace. I have compassion. I have understanding. I've had my own shit I've walked through in the last yep. 15 years. And I just know that hurt people do so much hurting around them. That's one of my favorite quotes, right? Hurt people, hurt people. And they it's do. just, I yeah. really, I believe that because I have done it. Yeah. And so, so I. I have done it hard yeah. and I have 
I sit in a place of no judgment of other people of what they do. I just sit in the place of feeling for them because they must be hurting very, very deeply. Right. And so I'm able to look at the whole situation now. Mm-hmm. And it's been a process. And even in my book, there's parts of it that I go, oh, I just don't want people to think of my dad as bad. And oh, I just don't want them to think of my mom as this. So and oh, I just pleasing. Don't... Yeah. Exactly so what it is. Yeah. It's exactly what it is. And yet I also know that it's going to be my voice and my truth. And I'm okay with that. And I'm yeah. okay with that. And I feel a real, real deep sense of peace. And that's in a journey in itself. And my dad, so they, in the last, for that year and a half, we got to know her really well. Her and my dad met each other again. They forgave each other for whatever they needed to forgive each other for. Of course he, you know, she's like, I totally forgive your dad. I've told him. And then, um, in 2005, he, um, was killed in a car accident. It was a tragic car accident and he fell asleep at the wheel and I'm sorry. He was killed instantly. Yeah. And that was, that was the day, um, that was the day I found my voice mm-hmm. the day that he passed away. So I start off my, even my memoir starts like that. The day my dad's voice was silenced was the day I found you mine. Found yours. And so that was 15 years ago on father's day and coming up this father's day actually. And, um, it was a rough few years. It was a rough few years because I lost the person that I was pleasing. I lost mm-hmm. the person that I was living mm-hmm. for. I lost the person that I didn't know what each day was going to be. I actually sat there the next morning and wrote in my journal on my front deck. And I remember writing, I don't even want to live anymore. I don't even want to be here anymore. Mm -hmm. And I had my husband and my two boys. And I was at such a deep, dark place because I had been told what to do and what to say for so for 31 years. Yeah. And um, so it led me down a really dark path for about three years of just muddy, 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 lots of, lots of, lots of alcohol, <laughs> uh, yeah. suppressing lots of numbing, numbing. Yeah. So much numbing because the pain was too bearable to feel. Um, and then there was one night where it was, it was too much and it was a little bit, it was a drunken stupor. And I woke up and I thought, I don't want to be this person for my boys. I don't want to be this person for me. Mm-hmm. And what I'm doing isn't working. Yeah. What I'm doing isn't working. I was laying flat on my driveway you know, passed out and I was a 31 year old person and I, this isn't working. This isn't bringing him back. Right. This isn't making me and nobody knew any of this, Marsha. That was the thing. I had a thriving business. I had it and nobody knew. Oh, that's just, I just, I think, okay. Sorry to interrupt. I just want to say this. I think that the weight of what you're carrying at that point in your life, like the weight of that, those emotions they just like 10 X because of the fact that the shame was, was at the front of the wheel. Like, so the fact you're not talking about it, they, no one even knew that you were struggling. I mean, people didn't know I was struggling. I was, well, they might have, but I, I certainly right. everything I had to make it look like, no, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. Totally fine. I got my shit together. I'm all good. I'm fine. And I wasn't fine. I wasn't fine at all. Like, yep. not even. A, but I wasn't there yet. You had yep. to get to that phase. I had to get to that point. Yeah. And that's, and I reached out again for help. We went to counseling together. Um, and then, you know, I just started to slowly just kind of go, okay, what do I need to do? And I, and I, I wasn't, I don't even think that was a, it was the rock bottom for as far as drinking went, buried myself in now fitness. Yeah. So I went to be, I became an exercise addict and I became a nutrition addict. And then I owned my own fitness business where I just 
that again, I was turning my, I, I became a volunteer addict. Whereas if I was helping other people, then yeah. it was good and nobody could call me on anything because I was doing good for the world. Oh, good. Right. Yeah. No, you've <laughs> done some very good reflection. Cause that's a very powerful thing there is that no one can call you on it because you're just giving enough. If you give enough, then no one knows is going to know that what's going on. So I, I said, I became a master of like deflecting questions, master at it. People would say something and I would be mm. saying, I would just like deflect. Like, well, no, no. Tell me about you. How are things going for you? How is your mom doing? How's it like just deflect faster? Good. So, they would look like we had a conversation. I hadn't told them anything. Like we hadn't even, I would just, I was became a master shield wearer. And Love it. Yeah. Right. But you that is it. just like, it's, it, the shield's got to come down. Like it's got to oh. come down if everything's going to change. Yeah. 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 Wow. yeah. So that's what led me down the road. And then once he was gone and once I was able to really dive into who I was is when I realized I was living for everybody else. Because the thing that happened when he disappeared, um, is that I started reaching out to different coaches or my sister, or I still yeah. didn't listen to myself. I still yeah. didn't go inward yeah. because I didn't know how. Yeah. And I didn't know what that even meant. So it was like, I was still reaching out for external and social media now was becoming very, pre, pre, you know, very in your face. And yeah. there was phones and there was Facebook and there was Instagram. And then in the last, of course, you know, seven or eight years, it's become very. Mm -hmm. So when I started down the road of, self-development eight years ago I hired my very first life coach and that was when everything was a little bit going sideways with my fitness and something still wasn't sitting right within right. me and I look at all of the stuff I did like I became a hairdresser right when we got married so I was a hairdresser for 15 years right. and I've always worked with people I've loved working with people yeah I loved yeah. hearing their problems yeah. I love being able to banter back and forth with them I love this what you and I are doing I love yeah. that other people out here are listening to it I love this mm -hmm. so it's always been a part of me I've just had different avenues that led me to here which is exactly what happens with people when you're listening out here wherever you're at you're supposed to be there because it's leading you or maybe this is your whatever you're doing Right. It all leads you to where you're supposed to be. So I'm wow. able to look back now and be very thankful and grateful for my, for my journey. Right. It was not always easy. Yeah. And it's no. not always that I've sat there going, Oh yeah, that was so such a beautiful time. No, hell I, no. Well, first off, that's why I love what you're saying and what you're doing is because I can't stand when people say, Oh, it was an absolutely, I embraced it all. It was a beautiful journey. I'm like, really? That like 30 years? No. Like that, that no. No. Like, can we just Heck talk about no. the ugly for a second? Not no. negative. You know, I'm not negative. No. Nope. Can we just talk about the ugly? Because if we set people up to believe that it is a piece of cake, then <laughs> when they hit their very first wall, like the first day when they hit their wall, then they're like, well, what am I doing? Yeah, Obviously, like, totally. I, I can't do this. I'm not strong enough. She said it made it look easy. And she said it was easy. It's not easy. No. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. And I think you've had such massive growth there, the way that you went through it all. And recognizing, you know, what, what, geez, what am I doing now? What am I doing now? How am I sabotaging now? What am I not embracing? Mm -hmm. Like you went inward. Like you've got to go inward in order to get some of those answers. And you certainly sounds like you did. Well, it's scary. And that's scary too. I remember in the last, this last year, I've had some more deep healing inner yeah. child work done. And I can remember phoning one of my girlfriends and I just said, I'm out, I'm done. You know what? I'm just going to go back to living how I was. I was fine enough. And she's like, yeah, the problem is we all know that you're not going to, and that, you know, you've now held us all accountable to you and you're not going yeah. I'm like, I hate this. Like, it's not easy, No, but 
the other side is so beautiful. It's just going through it sometimes. That's just so, and it's really, I think the thing that I would say is being completely honest with yourself and you can try and fool yourself as much as you want that you're okay or that you didn't really have that hard of a time. Right. Yeah. You can trick yourself and, and you can do a lot of those different things. time because much I, I said my story very robotic and I never thought I had a story for the longest time I never thought I had a story so when I say that a lot of people will go yeah me neither I don't think I do either and I love those moments when people go oh I have a story I I believe everyone does I, like, I, I 100% believe everyone does so do and it might seem small in comparison and not in comparison to me, but like they might look at it and go, it's small though. It's nothing like what you, it's, it's not about a comparison moment. It's that we all have had one. And I mean, sometimes women will say to me, but I don't want to stand on stage and share my story. You don't have to stand on stage. Like I speak to women who are called to do that, but you don't have to. But what you do mm-hmm. need to recognize is if your story is holding you back from living the life that you know that you're meant to do, and it's forcing you to play small and not show up as yourself, then yeah, we have a problem because the story is, yeah. is actually holding you back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree completely. And for me, it was, it took a while for me to embrace the fullness of my story because there was so many facets to it. Oh yeah. There's and a embrace, lot of parts to it. Yep. And just be able to speak about it from in a place of love. And now that's what I do. I'm able to share from a place of love. And that is where I feel the big shift has happened for me in the last few years of just being able to go, this is who I am mm-hmm. and I'm proud of it. And it's been messy. And so I, I will say my, my message, my messiness is my message. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I just, cause it's been so messy and it's been so deep and, and every single day, every single day I wake up and I go, okay, how do I want to be to be and not anybody else, but who do I want right. to be? Right. Well, I honestly, I thank you for diving in so much with it and sharing that story with us and being real and raw. And that's the thing I love the most about you. And I love when women can do that because I think that we can help each other have more success when we actually speak from that space as opposed to that. Oh my God, it was pretty. It was just, I think we can do so much more with it. So I know you're doing a lot of different things. What kinds of things do you, like, first off, how can people connect to you and, and find you? Yeah, and I do. Um, of the things that you're offering right now right now I've got I do right now I'm actually just opening up which has been fantastic in the last week it's been a group coaching and it's my group online Facebook it's a group that we all get together and it's every week I come in there for who knows how long but I touch on one area of life coaching so moving forward a life coach we look out the front view front window moving forward taking steps to move forward with occasionally looking in the rearview mirror like you said Yeah. yeah if there's something holding us back from moving forward we'll take a look at that right worthy. We're not loved. We're not smart enough. Whatever the story is, something's there for a reason. Right. So we take a real look at that. It's a small group of people that are in there. I'm accepting applications for that. Um, nice. When, yeah. And that's on my best way to reach me is Instagram mm-hmm. and it's Krista K underscore life coach. Okay. And that's the best way to reach me. A lot of people DM me there. Another, the other way is uh, Facebook. Yes, Krista Cocott Life Coach. I've got a website, kristacocott.com. I do one-on-one coaching as well on life coaching. And that one is we deep dive into your specific issues that's going on in your life. Nice. So I love my one-on-one work as well. I really like those because that makes, we just connect. 
consecutive levels. So I can see you doing both. I can see you both doing both very well because I think that you've um, you've lived both, right? You can't yep. coach on anything you have not lived no. through, but you also have experienced both and had the benefit of both. And we we're well, and I just points in our life, right? Sometimes the world oh, completely. Really and I just for me giving my specific area that I help with is I give specific tools that may help you. I'm not going to say they do, but we do lots of different modalities right. of walking through situations in your life because journaling may not work for you. Talking yeah. out loud may not work for you. Right. You may want to throw that pen across the room and be like, this sucks, yeah. but you don't know until you try different things. Right. Right. So for me, I teach what I have learned and I also teach what I still continue need to, that I need to continue. Oh, to please. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We, and so the big one, is just, yeah. And so the big one for me is I say, I help I help women stop the cycle of people pleasing so mm -hmm. they can live the life they truly desire. Nice. That is where my expertise lies because that right. was me. And there was, and how I got out of it. Yeah. I have gotten out of it. Mm -hmm. I call myself a recovering people pleaser. Nice. And it's very, it's not easy, but it no. takes work, but it's work. No, we're absolutely worth it. Oh, I'm so, I can't thank you enough for sharing so much that you did. There's so many nuggets and really powerful points there. And I love that you covered forgiveness and how, you know, key that is in order for you to be able to move forward, right? You Completely. just being able to see that sometimes people do the best that they can with that point in time. And even now you look at it and go like, what? Like it's, I mean, it's just, what were they thinking? But it's what they were, it's what they were thinking at the time. That's what they decided that like how each of them handled it is we, we are in their shoes to know what the, I don't know what I would do. I have no idea what I would do as a parent or on either end of that. So I know. it's very powerful that you can do that and that you can look at that in forgiveness. That's, I appreciate you sharing that with us. Mm, thank you. I have two quick questions for you sure. that I like to ask everyone. <laughs> I know what is the, if you could go back to any age, you can go back any age. What is one of the lessons that you would like to tell your younger self? You would like to say, um, you know? it, this one's very easy for me. Um, I would go back to grade seven mm -hmm. and I would go back. Um, even knowing what my life, what, even if it was exactly me then and just, just talk how I wanted to talk, be who I wanted to be, mm. just be, be you just right. the best. And it doesn't even have to be the best for, for me then at 14 or 12, it was like, I just wanted to be myself. Yeah. And so even, you know, I look at my boys and I look at other children and I look at them just out there doing their thing. And I just think, good for you. Just be, yeah, exactly. just don't care what anybody else thinks. Cause everyone's worried about themselves anyways. Yeah, they are. They, they so are. are. And so that can be a 14 year old. That can be my 45 year old yesterday. You know, like it's yes. just, yes. that's always what I think is just be yourself no matter what mm -hmm. age you're at. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And the last question I like to ask everyone, sorry for the trees is the, um, yeah. What is, um, the lesson in life that you are the most grateful for? And that could be the same answer, but it might be something different. What is the lesson? What is the lesson that you have the most gratitude for in your life? Ooh, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. The lesson I'm most grateful for. Does having my boys at a young age count? 
Sure. It could be whatever they, you want. Yeah. They, they have taught me so much yeah. about myself mm-hmm. and I know you will agree, <laughs> you'll agree with that with having, best they teachers. have been the best teachers and every day I give thanks for them because I learn yeah. something new every single day about myself by looking nice. at them. Nice. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. 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 I've said that numerous times about them. I'm just like, man, they have been my biggest teacher. Oh yeah. I can take every course in the world. And these two have been my complete reflection every single day. No, as I say, I say this lovingly is the fact that you, I mean, there is no manual when, when you have them, there's no manual. We just have to do the best we can. And are there things I would do differently for sure? But I mean, I, I know that I did what I could at the time with the information that I had. And I think that's the thing is there is no manual. So they are your best teachers. And I'll never forget you sharing. I'll never forget you sharing your story. And I'm like, Yep. That would have been me. Yeah. Yep. That would have been me. I just, I so remember you sharing. I'm like, yep. I've done the exact same thing as her. Yep. And yep. it was just, it was, I'm like, I'm a mom. I would have done yeah. the same thing. Oh yeah. Bear. Right. I became a bear. I and mean, there's yep. no question. I was, and you get to a point where I remember at one point and my son saying, you know, I can't, it's like, I can't believe you did the things that you did. And I remember saying, I didn't do them so that you would approve. And I didn't do them so you would like me. My job was to keep your future self alive. I was trying to give them a chance. Trying to give that future, future self of you a chance. And actually, I'm so unattached. I don't care if you ever get it. I actually don't care. It's not, I don't care. And And you had to. And you had had to. to. It was the only way I was going to survive. I was just going to say, for your survival. Yeah. 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 So it was a real, it was a real journey, but I, I can hear you on that. And I do say they are my best teachers and I had to learn. It's, in, I love that you shared the forgiveness story because I had to learn how to forgive them because I had a lot of anger towards them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know that that anger was stemming from myself. I was angry mm-hmm. at myself because I felt like a mom's job is to fix everything. And that's just not the case, right? And here's the thing is, is that we're all, we are all on our own journey and there is no manual, there's no fast track, there's no, you have to go through it. Yeah. And some lessons take a long time and some, once you get them, there's other ones that I'm like, it's just, I've got them now, I've got them, they're fast and they're easy, right? I don't own that, that's not mine, that's not mine, that's not mine. I don't own stuff that's not mine. And I don't, it's, I've learned that by doing it, but it takes time for those lessons. It takes time. Really does. Really does. Yep. Yeah, well, it does. I am so grateful for this call and obviously could have kept going on for a long time, but I really, I want to respect your time too. And I thank you so much for being so real and honest with us. And you know what, exactly what this platform is about is that you really owning your story. And when you own your choices, you own your life and you have done that. And because of that now, the light shines through you to help others who are on a similar journey, emotion wise of what you've gone through and helping them to find their way. So I really thank you for stepping into that light. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you guys, everyone out there for listening mm-hmm. awesome. and the thank support. You. Awesome. 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 Thank you so much, Krista. You're welcome. Thank you everyone for tuning in. And I cannot wait to connect on another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. Have a great day. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Until next time, remember, when you own your choices, you truly own your life.